like that in your life? Man, they can give you advice and even quote the scripture and you're going, that doesn't seem to match what you do. I live in the leadership space in the church because I know a lot of dudes that can stand up here and women that could preach the paint off the wall, but don't live it out day to day. And I'm not okay with that. I believe that the person standing here in front of you today should be the person that just hung out with my wife and son, should be the person that's hanging out tomorrow in, in Springfield, Missouri, working on a party. Like the same guy should show up. You should at least recognize me in those places. But there are times you're gonna have people in your life that are really good at looking really good. And then you know how impossible those words are to believe because you know the rest of the story, right? Does anybody think that's what it looks like to be set apart in the kingdom? No. That's the answer if you're wondering. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all the deeds to be seen by others. For they make these, uh, the phylacteries or the um, like ropes and stuff that they would wear, uh, broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast in the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Who exalts, whoever exalts himself will be humble, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So I'm going to pause here for a second, then we're going to dive down to the fourth woe. Man, this is, it's a little intense. The first half of this passage is all about poor leadership, right? Uh, I, I kind of hate, but I've also lived under that idea of going, hey, um, church, you need to do this. You need to give this much. You need to be a part of this. You need to serve all these things. And yet the person saying that is not doing those things. They're putting those heavy burdens on people. Man, and again, just to let you in on my center of my passion, I don't know people that walk away from Jesus because of Jesus. But I know a lot that have walked away because of this. They've walked away because people like me stand on stages like this and we give you stuff and then we don't do it ourselves. Does that make sense? And we've been hurt. The amount of church hurt that's going around in our world right now is so significant. Um, I started a nonprofit because I lost three pastor buddies to, uh, they took their lives in about a 14 month window. And uh, so we literally right now, I've got a group of eight worship leaders, Jarian included, um, in Nebraska starting in the 12 months that they will walk together and do counseling together and go through life together because I'm tired of losing my friends. So we built this nonprofit to try to serve them. And I tell you that because the number of people who have walked away from the church because the person that was preaching when they got saved, the person that was standing in front of that, the person that was pastoring them ended up having a moral failure or falling away from grace. And you know how hard it is to reconcile your faith when the person that shared their faith with you, it doesn't match. It's a big deal, isn't it? But take it off this platform for a minute. How many of you have friends in your life that you're the only Christian they know? We all should, right? And if that's all they know, and yet what you say, and you go to the table, and you go to church on Sunday, and yet your life is the same, what does that say? So we all have a part to play in this. And this is what this woe is all about. And uh, this is what Jesus is saying is, hey, don't just stand there and say these things. Do them. Let them be part of your life. Let them look at you in that way. The second half of this, so the first half is this is what the world does, right? Uh, there's a passage a few chapters back in Matthew 20 where Jesus 
um, settles things down and he says, who among you? Or he says, you guys have all seen what the world does, right? They let a little power go to their head. And it's one of the only times in scripture that Jesus does this big contrast where he goes, not so with you. So he says, this is what the world does. But if you follow me, this is what we're going to do. Is everybody with me on that? That's exactly what's happening here. The world is going to throw heavy stuff on you. The, even the religious people are going to put stuff on you. But here's what Jesus said to be the most Jesus-following version of yourself at the very end, verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Can I give you a quick leadership life lesson? Sure, I'm up here talking. So the answer is yes. And I'm saying this, I've led young staffs. I have, I have counseled and I work with companies that are 60 million a year and companies that are 2 million a year. Here's what I can tell you. If you choose to be the kind of leader that serves the people around you and fights for their best interests, you will have a job. Does that make sense? That's the principle that's found right here in scripture. How we carry ourselves in front of those around us actually bring glory to God. This is what it means to be opposite, to look a little bit different. Now I want to go down here to passage, um, to this passage here. It's the fourth woe, verse 27. We're going to read this. There we go. Listen to this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Again, religious leaders. Hypocrites. Everybody knows what a hypocrite is? Most part. If you don't know, in the old times, that was an actor. That seems to, oh, you excited about that? Okay. I didn't expect, I expect whoop somewhere, but that though, I wasn't the spot. <laughs> hypocrites are actors. That kind of resonates a little bit when you say, well, that person's a hypocrite, right? They're acting. Woe to you, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Oof. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Picture that, right? We're about to come up on the Halloween season. Everybody does these crazy... The, by the way, the whole like, uh, new fad of these massive skeletons, like in the front yard. Where do you store that thing? That's all I think about. I'm, that tells you, like, I just think like a dad. I'm like, where am I going to put that? Like, what is that? But imagine what he's saying here. Imagine being in a cemetery and what you're highlighting is the dead bones, but you're cleaning the tomb, right? Or imagine this, and some of you are not going to like me for this, so I apologize. And the reason I've kept this closed because you're not going to like me for this. But I found this guy. Anybody ever seen? Some of you buy these at West Elm. This is actually real. <laughs> you hang them on your wall. But imagine looking at this or feeling like this and yet supposed to be alive and, and flourishing. Let me show you what this feels like to me. It's kind of like polishing this thing, right? Oh, okay. Well, I'm just not going to cuss today. Look better, right? Hey, you know what? I'm actually going to probably, I'm going to try to drink a little less this weekend with my friends. Okay. I'm going to do it right up under here. There we go. What am I doing? As my dad used to say, I'm putting lipstick on a pig. I'm polishing something that's already dead. Leaders, can I challenge you? This is not what God wants for us. I want you to have this in your mind when you start thinking about the inside matching the outside and that it should be filled with life. I mean, it could be as much as, hey, but I go to church and the table. Okay, cool. I'm going to give you a little more. 
But this isn't about attendance at church. This is about your personal walk with Jesus that should be vibrant and overflowing and changing your life so that it changes the lives of the people around you. So I'm going to let this guy look at you for a little bit. Come on, buddy, prop up. Give him the business. Just kidding, it doesn't smell bad. I want to back you up real quick. So Jesus is saying all this, but listen to what he says right before these woes, okay? I, I, tri- I tricked you. He gives us the answer right before this. Verse 20, um, uh, excuse me. Actually, I'm going to tell you something before I show you that. Anybody ever have a friend or somebody in your life who, and I know you probably hate this at your age when people say you have so much potential, right? Anybody? It's like, awesome, thanks for the copy of soul. Like a slap and a push at the same time. Like, hey, I love you. Boom, you stink. I I had a friend in high school. We played soccer. I I actually ended up making the soccer team, by the way. The next year I grew at least. I grew 50. Thank you. Yeah, and and the reason is because I was a good roller skater, Um, which I am happy to share with you. Anyway, you get me distracted, we're going to go the wrong direction. This joker got a full ride scholarship to play soccer at Wake Forest University, which is an unbelievable university. There was one little caveat to this is that he had, uh, towards the end of our senior year, started dating a girl that was in 10th grade, and they fell in love. He went up for two weeks and quit and came home, and they broke up like a month later. But he lost his four-year full-ride scholarship to play soccer at Wake Forest. I would call that a what could have been story, right? But you guys listen to me and I'm saying this in love and I'm saying this in care. Some of you right now spiritually are in a what could have been story because you're not willing to put yourself in a set apart space. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? I would hate to be a part of a church and sitting in a room with leaders of the next generation and not point you to the idea that I do not want a single one of you to be a what could have been story in God's kingdom. But to be a what could have been story, we cannot just polish the dead bones. There has to be a matching. We cannot be actors or hypocrites. This thing that's in us, this truth of the gospel, this reality of life because of Jesus has to overflow to the people around us. And if it doesn't, my guess is there's something in you that you're not letting grow back to life. There's something so deep or even not even that deep, but you just go, I don't want to give that up. If you're like me in high school, I didn't want to, I didn't want a part of Christianity because I didn't know anybody that was Christian and fun. And I'm dead serious about that. And that's how shallow I am. Until I started seeing believers that were having fun and filling out this life thing, I started going, Ooh, I could buy into that. You're telling me that I could believe in this pretty amazing story and have a life that's fulfilling and fun. I'm in on that. That seems like something I want to do. Let me back you up here. Like I was telling you, this is the precursor to what he said with these seven woes to the church. Uh, This is verse 32. I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and the God of Jacob, because he is the God of the, uh, excuse me, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Some of you don't believe that right now because your story is too hard. Some of you don't believe that because the childhood situation that you grew up in did not point to a positive, life-giving, living God. And what I want to tell you today is no matter what you've come from, it's true. 
no matter where you currently sit in life, the truth is that we serve a living God who moves and does stuff. And the reason I had you kind of reset tonight before we even started is because I want you to recognize that that living God is speaking to you tonight. Not me. I'm doing my best to share with you what he said. But I promise you there are words and things being impressed upon your heart and your spirit right now that are not from me. And they're not from the team here at the table. They are impressed on you because the Holy Spirit does that kind of thing. And I've had a season in my life when I was exactly where you were. And I came down one night in a moment like this that changed my life forever. Because I was in a posture and I was willing to listen to potentially the voice of God. Listen to what he says in Matthew 12. And because some of you are going, yeah, I think I'm okay. I think I'm doing good things. Thanks for really making me sad, Tyler. It's not what I'm trying to say. Listen to what he says in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its uh, fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by the fruit. So one of the questions I have for you tonight, if your friends were going to rate you on the fruit scale... What's the fruit? If your friends, if I, if I called your friends up and I said, hey, Frank here wants to know how he's doing. Is he a good tree bearing good fruit or is he a bad tree that the fruit's kind of stinky? I bet if you wrestle with that for a minute, you'd go, you know what? Over here is pretty good. Over here, these antlers, I polished those pretty good. They look good. Yeah, but oh, let's not talk about over here for a minute, right? Because I, I'm, I'm kind of set apart. I'm a little bit set apart. There are things I do that are a little bit better than maybe if I didn't do them, right? Leaders, I'm telling you right now, I got two boys that I so desperately, and they've put their faith in Jesus. They've made their faith in Jesus their own. But I so want them to know what this adventure looks like. I so want them to know that there are days I'm curious about what God's doing. I'm in, we live in Orlando because I got curious about what God was doing. One thought, one night, one idea. And I got curious. I said, God, I don't know if that's you, but I'm going to take a step. I'm going to move towards, because what I believe is that God speaks to us. I believe God's alive and he's moving. He's doing things. And he's not looking for this. He's looking for flourishing, life-giving leaders who are full and set apart. So here's a couple thoughts. What if we quit worrying about our Insta stories and start worrying about God's eternal story? What if we stop leaning just on how we feel and start leaning on God's truth about you? That'd be cool. What if we stop praying just about safe travel but start pursuing God where praying for safe travel is the least of your concern? But you're praying such big prayers that you're going, yeah, God, you got to get us there because you got something for us. What if we quit wondering what it's like to worship God with your life and just do it? Are we ready to stop these what could have been lives? So here's a question. I'm going to tell you uh, a quick story. Well, I'm going to read you a couple questions first. I'm going to tell you a story. So here's a question. I mean, you don't have to close your eyes, but I want you to not think about what's around you for a second. Are there leaders here, <clears throat> maybe this is you, who are willing to not just preach, but to practice? Some of you haven't had a prayer time with God in weeks or years. If you want to know what practice looks like, that's what it looks like. Not because we asked you to, but because you did it on your own. Are there leaders here who believe the power of the resurrection actually lives in you? Do you realize that truth? 
that literally what they say in the New Testament is the very power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us if we follow Jesus. That's pretty cool. And I'm not saying that uh, everything is so spiritual that if you're having an addiction problem and you just go, well, just pray about it. It's not what I'm saying. There's other things to add to prayer. But I do believe in the power of prayer. I do believe the Holy Spirit can break some of these things in our lives. And yet quite often we don't because we haven't seen it. But what if we get curious that if we pray, maybe God will show up. Are there leaders here who believe that if you are obedient to God's calling in your life, he will explode your understanding of his kingdom and grace? And are there leaders here just tired of cleaning the outside of a dirty container? Are there students and leaders here who are ready to stop their own pity party and get going with flourishing because they start walking by the Holy Spirit? That'd be cool. I want to be around those people. Do some of these things sound attractive, like people you want to hang out with? Some of you are like, no, that sounds boring. All right, well, it's a different conversation. To me, I go, yeah, that's the kind of people I want to be around. There's something more to them. They're, they're anchored in something different. And lastly, are there leaders here willing not to just talk about revival at First Orlando or talk about spiritual awakening in a space like the table, but actually willing to pray it through? Willing to sacrifice your prayers, your time and focus, even if you don't see it in your time here? I'm just, I'm just wondering if anybody's tired of being the opposite of the opposite, of living a double negative life. If any of you are going, I, I'm over it. I continue to want to be set apart, but I continue to go back to these things that absolutely bring me back to a space that I don't want to be in. So I'll tell you a quick story. The band's going to come. We're going to sing a song tonight and actually give you a little space to respond to some of this. But uh, as I referred to, I went to uh, potentially, this is a little biased, but the greatest university in the history of the world. Um, <clears throat> just, I'm just kidding. Look, when Tebow was good, we get it. I wouldn't have liked living down here, but we've won back-to-back national championships. So being the Georgia Bulldog is a good time. While I was at the University of Georgia, 40,000 student secular college, there was a group of students that was committed and, and convinced that God could show up on a secular campus in the same ways he could on a Christian school or anything like, like this. And so there was about 75 students at this thing we call the Wesley Foundation. And uh, that's 75 students when our campus pastor came in and started talking about what it could look like for God to show up on a campus in a way that we've never seen. That dwindled down to about 25, right? Because it's hard. But here's what I know about that 25. And I know them personally, many of them. They were willing to do what nobody else was willing to do to see God do something that nobody has seen God do in that space. There's one guy named Andy. He was a piano player. I don't know why I told you that, but he was. Really gifted, as a matter of fact. Andy would lay on the roof of our worship center all night and just literally just pray over the space that we met in. And he would bang his knee on the floor to keep himself awake. Because he was so committed to God showing up in a way that nobody had ever seen that he was willing to do what nobody was willing to do. He was set apart because he was willing to do the things that God was calling him to do. And here's what I can tell you. Uh, when I got to the, to the campus ministry, we were at about 150 students. I got to know some of these, this core group that was committed to doing it, whether they saw the fruit of it or not. And actually, as a matter of fact, most of them graduated and were gone before they saw the actual fruit. By the time I graduated, 
We had 1,500 students every Wednesday night. We had constant prayer moments going on. God raised up leaders like myself, leaders like Annie F. Downs and David Platt and Kevin Queen and these leaders who God sent out to do some stuff because we were willing to do some stuff in college that nobody else was doing. Most of our friends were not doing that, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Most of our friends were not coming to the campus ministry to pray for each other and pray that God would do something unique in our lives. And I'm not saying don't have fun in college because I had the best time playing wicked flag football. I'm just kidding. But I had one of the greatest experiences of my life because I had a group of commu a community chasing after God's heart. And we still had the time of our lives. And there were days that my friends were doing things that I kind of, if I'm honest with you, wish I was doing because it looked fun. But now I'm so grateful for the preventative nature of moving and chasing after God that I don't have a lot of heartache from chasing a bunch of sin in my life. I don't have a lot of pain looking back going, well, I just went down the wrong road for too long. That's what's beautiful about God's word and his spirit is it's preventative in nature. It's helping us avoid those painful places. And I, this story or this, this moment, for 20 years now, they've been averaging 1,500 students every Wednesday night. 20 years. And those 25 that were willing to be set apart and pray, they've been gone for 20 or 19 of those years. They never even saw the fruit, but they were willing to pray for that. And so tonight I want to ask you, is there a group of people in here that are willing to pray for that kind of stuff? Is there something you're willing to do in your own life to bring your friends to spaces like this? Is there, I sit around and I look at the table and going, oh my gosh, there's so many people that need what you guys are doing in this room. And yet it's kind of hard to tell them, right? But I think, I think God might say something to a few of you tonight that says, hey, I love you even when you look like this. But I don't know if you know this, I got something so much better for you. I got something for you that you cannot even write the story good enough in your own mind. If you just trust me, if you quit performing, if you actually let those words that you're saying be part of the truth of who you are. And I promise you guys, when I stand up here and deliver things and, and say what I, when I try to teach these things, if this isn't who I am, by golly, please God convict me and move me because I don't want to be that guy. But I can promise you with everything in me, I'm trying to live this life the best I know how. And I make mistakes and that's the beautiful part. So what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna sing this song to close. This song has been moving me for the last six months. It's a friend of mine, Jad, who uh, it's got maybe God's specific vocal cords gave, given to Jad because they're unbelievable. It's a song from Hillsong. It's called Praise on Repeat. And here's why I want you to see. The first verse I'm gonna to read to you here in just a second. But the chorus, so the first verse is very much like a truth statement, a truth, a truth verse. But the chorus is a statement of action. And you guys, that's what nights like this are all about. We're going to tell you what the truth part is, but it's up to you to have action. It's up to you to do something with what you've heard. And so tonight, I don't know if this is different. I just told them we're going to do it, so we're going with it. And apparently, because I'm on the executive team, we get to do that. I'm just kidding. We're going to give you space tonight. Because there's in a room like this with somebody stirred my heart. So I know that God can stir our hearts. And some of you have been polishing this thing for way too long. It's time to 
get rid of the dead bones, get rid of the whitewashed tomb and become fully alive in Jesus. Some of you probably are here tonight going, I don't even know if I believe what you're saying. I don't even know about this Jesus thing. Well, let me just encourage you. Jesus died 2000 years ago for you and for me. That is not a story that is uh, hypothetical. That is a historical narrative of what actually happened. And there are uh, 30 something witnesses that saw it and they recorded it. So I'm not making this up as like a cool fairy tale. He died for you and me because he knew the only way we can get to God is through that blood of him. And so tonight, I just wanna encourage you and maybe you guys can close your eyes for a second. If that's you, I just wanna pray a prayer with you. And uh, if you go, you know what? I don't even completely know, but what you're talking about seems like something that would make sense to me. And I actually, I think I'm here because I wanna put my faith and my trust in this Jesus you're talking about. So I'm gonna encourage you, if that's you, I'm just gonna pray this, you can pray after me. Jesus, would you come into my life in a way that I've never experienced? As a matter of fact, God, I want to just recognize and say to you that I believe that what you did on the cross put me in a right standing with God. And I don't even know all the details following that. And I'm willing to go talk to somebody afterwards to figure out a little bit more what that next step would be. But Jesus, would you just come into my life and be the king? And then I want to push those of you that have been following Jesus for a year, maybe 10. I'm just going to ask you, how long will you live off of old faith? The faith of your parents, the faith of others. When, is, when are you going to lean in to God's, to your own faith, to your belief in God? How long will you be afraid of what people think instead of what God wants for you? And how many of you have, will, will have such a desperation for God that you'd say you won't leave this room tonight until you touch his garment? until the Holy Spirit stirs you like never before. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Isaiah 6 talks about Isaiah coming into God's presence and he, he can't leave the same. When you come into the presence of a holy God, he changes us. And so my prayer tonight with this space open is that if he's changing something in you tonight, that you'd come do a work with him. That you'd use this space. I don't care, you can turn around in your chair. It doesn't matter to me where you do it. But that you would do a work, let God do a work in your life because he's already spoken to you, I bet. And you're like, no, that's not it, God. I know that, that was just uh, the pizza I had. What if you actually got curious about that little thing that God is stirring or speaking into you? So we're gonna have a little bit of time in his presence. And I'm gonna read you this song. But I believe some of you have something that God's stirring in you that just a step towards this place, nothing special about it, except you taking a step of action. So listen to what this song says. Every time I come running, I find grace on repeat. That's beautiful, you guys. We're not looking for perfect people. We're looking for people. God's looking for for next generation that's willing to come to him over and over and over again. You welcome me with open arms no matter where I've been. And every time I surrender and every time I fall, this is so good, I find grace more precious than I did before. That's a beautiful thought. Now here's the action. So I'm going to lay my world down right here at your feet, God. Look to the heavens for all I need. I'm going to sing my heart out, praise on uh, repeat to the God who's never 
given up on me. God, would you just move in our hearts tonight? God, I pray that anything that stirs the heart of a leader in this room, that they would take a step, God, and that they would come lay their life out right here tonight at your feet and do a little process, a little work with you, God. And God, my prayer, and I know you've done it a million after a million times, is that you'd meet them right here in this space, in their seat, on their drive home, in their, as they go to sleep tonight. I just pray that this will not be a generation that could have been, but this will be a generation, a room of leaders that is and will be full of life and not just sitting around whitewashing the tombs. Raise up us, God. Raise each of us up to be uh, kingdom champions, to be people who are on the front line, set apart, because we believe when we are set apart, you can do unbelievable things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.